0: You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How y'all doing? Great, that you're here. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be here. i but I love well, man, it's good to be here and thankful for the invite. Um, thankful for all those that serve in various capacities here. Um, and again, it's, it's an honor. We've, we've cultivated something cool uh, with our churches, and we do a bunch of stuff together, and that's always good to see. And so it's an honor to be here with you guys. You can find me in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. While you're getting there, a little bit about me. My name is Rodney Wilkinson. I'm married to beautiful Kaisha Wilkinson. We have four children Uh, We've been married for 18 years this coming June, um, and we're excited about that because we're going to uh, Mexico to celebrate our anniversary this year. And just God's been kind and good. And we planted Gospel Fellowship um, almost nine years ago out of a desire to just see disciples made and people flourish, and God has been real kind to us um, in specific ways that we need him to be. And so we're thankful for that, we're thankful for that. Um, as you jump to um, Acts chapter nine, I want to pose this question to you. Um, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Uh, when, we, when we gather together as the body, what are, we, what are we doing? I would argue in some senses, as you guys have already communicated, we're in some sense spending our lives together, and we're demonstrating to a watching world that God has redeemed us, and he's called us to be salt and light where he places us. We are the church. The church is not the building. The church is the people, and he's called us together on a mission for us to seek and save those that need to hear the good news about Jesus. And that's important for us to understand. So the church is this gathering of people together. And whether it's a church or whether it's a, it's a club or it's a, it's a school, wherever you gather people, there's going to be hurt and pain as people come together. Despite how beautiful the community, how good the food is, how awesome the music is, if you get a bunch of sinners together in a room is going to be problems sooner or later. How do we handle that distinctively as a church as opposed to any other gathering when people come together? How do we deal when people are hurt in the church? Now, listen, I'm not bringing this message for redemption. I had another message planned, I promise you. But God, as I was, as I was preparing and thinking about you guys, he switched it to this. So listen, I preach a similar message at my church. So I know I hurt some people as a pastor unknowingly at my church. So at every church, there's going to be drama. There's going to be church hurt. There's going to be offense because sinners are gathering. How do we deal with that differently as the church of Jesus Christ? Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. But, but Saul... Still breathing threats in murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if any are found belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling down to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Jesus replied, I am Jesus whom you persecute. I also want to read for your uh, thought here, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 17. This is Paul writing at the later stages of his life. Second Timothy four, nine through seventeen. He says, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans have gone to Galatia and Timothy to Dal- Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me. Tychicus, has, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring your cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, along with the books and above all my parchment. Alexander the coppersmith, watch this, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposes our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me may it not be charged against them. Verse 17, I love it. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I want to talk about this idea of what happens when there's hurt in the church. Three points, the reality of church hurt, Point two, the injured soul, and point three, built in comfort. Let's pray one more time, and we'll jump in. Father, thank you. I just pray, as we've been praying, that you would do some work in here tonight, that your spirit will, God, begin to work at the layers of our heart and peel them back so we could deal with some things we may have to deal with. And Lord, if there's nothing there for us to deal with, would would a message like this make us better evangelists as we share the gospel with people who may be avoiding church because of church hurt? Make us wise as we share the gospel and embolden us to be forever indebted to the living, breathing church of Jesus Christ as she stands victorious throughout the ages. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Church hurt is real. I'll start there. And it's not ungodly to say that, it's not immature to say that. It is not focusing on my weaknesses to say that. If if, if I have no place to say that and it be okay, then where do I express pain when it hurts? It should be okay as we come to the house of God to be able to admit, man, maybe I have been through some challenges, particularly in the church that has affected me. I don't know what it is. Maybe someone or another said something uh, about you that you told them in confidence and you turned around and now other people knew what you told that person. It got out. Maybe it's somebody that's addressing you about some sin or something that happened, but they did it in a demeaning way, in a belittling way, and you were offended by that. Maybe you thought you should have some position in the church and and your, your faithfulness warranted the position. But for some reason or another, you get overlooked again, and -and so-and-so gets to do that, and it's not me this time. And, And you may not even say it or confess it or acknowledge it, but maybe there's some church hurt developing and building up on the inside of you. Or maybe it was more intentional. Maybe it was a leader that failed you, Maybe in some way or something, some, some, some pastor, some ministry leader, some person in charge of a department failed you in some way. Maybe it was a, a moral failure. Maybe you're growing up as a little kid in the church and the pastor had this big scandal and, and you never really looked at the church the same way. And, and maybe you're here and, and if that's still there, you're probably cool and you're all in, but there's this, this edge of skepticism. Saying stuff like, can we really trust leaders after this? And in an age of deconstruction, in an age of leader fall, leaders falling and, 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 and dropping off of the, the, the map of Christian ministry, it, it makes us look at leaders with suspicion. Maybe you were a pastor's kid or a ministry kid. Maybe you were married to someone in ministry and they ran and they ran and they ran for the church like my daddy did. My dad's a pastor. I was in church all the time. They might as well have built a bedroom for me in the back. I was in there so often. I mean, Monday, you got to clean. And Tuesday, you got praise him. Thursday, you got the kid. It was just one thing after another. And if I'm honest... I grew up with this level of resentment, not because he was doing wrong things, but he did not correspond with time for his kids alone as well as he was doing ministry. He didn't prioritize us. And you can grow with that level of resentment and bitterness. Maybe you were abused by the church Some church leader in some way, mentally, emotionally, or even physically. I'm so glad you guys are doing the God and Mental Health Summit this, this, this Saturday because there's so much that we need to peel back on that we don't, we don't function as we should because we're carrying too much that we're not processing as we follow the Lord Jesus, regardless of whatever it is. As a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ on behalf of the church, if it is legitimate church hurt, I want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you experienced that. I, that is another reason I know church hurt is real because I experienced it myself. It is one of the most devastating things that can happen to you because you come to a place where you think, if there's any place that I'm safe, it's the church. And when the church hurts us, it's devastating. So if you've experienced that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So let's be clear, though. Because maybe you say, yep, that's right. He's preaching. Bring him back. I like him. <laughs> yeah, I've been through some of that. He's all, he all in my Kool-Aid right now. He's, you know... Let's clarify what church hurt is, because if we don't do that, then everything becomes church hurt. And if church hurt is everything, then nothing is church hurt. What do we mean? Before I talk about what it is, let's talk about what it's not. When a church leader humbly corrects you and confronts you about your sin, that is not church hurt. That is faithful ministry. Amen. Amen. (laughs) If I come to a couple and I say, how y'all doing? And we get to talking and I find out they are sleeping together. It is my custom to say, you know that's sin and God ain't pleased. We can't call that church hurt. That's addressing sin. That's what God's called us to do. When church members and leaders disagree on minor issues, that is not church hurt. You want the carpet this color, and I want the carpet that color, and we disagree, and we fighting. that ain't church hurt. That's a disagreement. That's nothing to fall out about. I think too often we fall out of fellowship too easily because we're, we're majoring on minor issues and forgetting the mandate from the Lord Jesus to go and make disciples. Church discipline is not church hurt. There's a difference You can be disciplined in the church out of love to get you to repent of your sins. That is not church hurt. Or when someone else sin and messes up and demonstrates true repentance, which is what we're all after, that is not church hurt. So what is church hurt? Church hurt is a painful experience of being exploited in the context of the local church where spiritual language or even scriptures can breed leverage to justify wrongdoing and protect offenders. And protect offenders. In an article in the Gospel Coalition, Pastor Tabidi uh, really hates this term church hurt. He writes this article to kind of to clarify why he has a disdain for the term. When someone says I'm hurt by the church what do they mean? Do they mean the universal church of Jesus Christ hurt me? Every believer, past, present, and future, all who've ever trusted in Christ hurt them? Of course not, that's not what they mean. And I think it's important that we specify this so we have clarity about where your hurt originated. They may say, well, it's the local church that hurt me. Are you saying that everyone in the local church hurt you? Or is it a specific person? Well, maybe they'll say, well, it was the leadership that hurt me. Was it all of the leadership? See, when we start narrowing this thing down, now this big word of church hurt begins to be minimized to a personal offense that if we could practice Matthew 18, we can see some resolution come when it's needed as we apply the gospel to our pain. So we want to be specific. When we say church hurt, what do you mean? You probably mean Mr. So-and-so offended me. Mrs. So-and-so offended me, and we need to deal with that. And this is what we see in our text in Acts chapter 9. Saul has just gotten papers to get Christians, bound them, and take them back to Jerusalem. He is, he is effective in his kidnapping strategies. And he's trying to catch as many Christians as he can. He is promising to kill them. And two priors earlier, or two chapters earlier, we see him in agreement as Stephen is being stoned to death. Paul is in agreement, or Saul is in agreement with that, so much so, that even as Saul I'm sorry, Stephen is being stoned, we see Jesus stand up on the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is aware, watch this, we're gonna see this even more clearly, but Jesus is aware of all church hurt. Jesus is the greatest advocate for all church hurt that has ever happened or that will ever happen, past, present, or future. It ain't new. It ain't, it ain't something that just happened for the first time. It's, it's what God is aware of, and Jesus is our advocate. Saul is going to persecute Christians. He has papers to persecute them. The political system is approving of his persecution, and he is fixed on finding Christians and judging Christians in. And all of a sudden, as he's on his way to do that, Jesus shows up with this bright light, so bright it knocks him off his horse. And as Saul is wondering what happens, Jesus starts the conversation Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting Christians? Why are you bothering those people in Jerusalem? And in Judea, why are you going after those Christians in various places? That is not what he says. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because when Christians suffer, Jesus feels it. Look at the identification between Jesus and his people. That's why the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. Listen, Jesus is the greatest advocate for all church hurt you need to see that you need to hear that you need to know that that Jesus sees every injustice Jesus hears every challenge and every harsh word Jesus hurts when you hurt and the resurrected lord has something to say about how we treat each other nobody gets away with anything It can seem that way. It can feel that way. You can assume, well, they just got off scot-free. No, nobody gets away with anything. No injustice goes unpunished. The person will pay for that injustice on two places. Either they will pay for it for eternity, separated for God forever in hell. Or if they trust Jesus, then the payment for their sin was taken out on our Lord. And Christ paid for their sins. That is why Good Friday was so harsh and cruel. Because it wasn't just your sins that he was dying for. And we say that often. Oh, it was my sins that kept him there. And I hear you. It's not just your sins that's up there. It's also that person that would sin against you. It's also the person that would sin against you. Either way, no one gets off scot-free. And what does God do? He sends Saul. uh, He is blinded by this light. He's going to be blind for three days. He cannot see. He don't know what happens. All he knows is he has encountered the resurrected Lord and his life is forever changed. But now he has to change his mission and way of doing things. How does he do this? God sends him to a man named Ananias, and he tells Ananias to pray for Saul that he might receive his sight. Now, I just told you that Saul was was persecuting Christians. Now, Jesus is sending Saul, the persecutor of Christians, to go to Ananias, who's a faithful, devout Christian, and Ananias gotta be like, who you sending my way? You want me to talk to who? Saul, which Saul? Saul of Tarsus, that's Saul? Like, you want me to minister to him? Do you know what he's doing to us? You want me to pray for him, to receive his sight? Here's what I want you to see. Notice, Saul is persecuting the church. But notice how God deals with those who persecutes the church. He sends the church to minister to even the people that are being persecuted. Rodney, what are you saying? You need the church. You you need the church. Those that are persecuting Christians need the church. If you've been hurt by other Christians, you need the church. There is no skating around the church of Jesus Christ. It is his plan A, and there are no plan B. He is faithful to defend and fight for his church, and he's going to send the church to bring healing to those even who abuse the church. That's good news for us. But isn't that the good news of the gospel? Isn't the fact that he came after me when I was not coming for him, when I was lost in my trespasses and sin, didn't he meet me right where I was? Didn't he come to my aid and, and, and save my soul and move me from death to life and, and make me alive in him? Salvation and redemption is a work of the Lord that I am still pondering. How did you do that again? With an old boy like Rodney. How did you save Rodney again? How did you deliver Rodney? It's still baffling for me to understand that I am even up here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, this, this is crazy. If you knew me, when? <laughs> this is a miracle. One of my buddies from high school showed up at my church one day. And I said, bro, so good to see you. It's been years. It's been... It's been years. I haven't seen you since 12th grade. And he said, man, I only came for one reason. I said, what's the reason? He said, I had to see it with my own two eyes. (laughs) Rodney Wilkinson preaching the gospel. I just had to see it. That's all I wanted to see. And I never seen the dude again, honestly. He's never come back. (laughs) So Rodney, what are you saying? That God is calling us not just to be peacekeepers. Go with the flow. Don't want to rock the boat. Don't want to stir nothing up. I'm okay. You ever meet these people? All kind of stuff happened. How are you? I'm fine. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. (laughs) Nothing wrong here. We, we, We just don't want to do the deep transformative work of engaging conflict so we can look more like Jesus. He's not just calling us to be peacekeepers. He's calling us to be peacemakers, Matthew 18, 15 says this If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him or her their faults between you and him alone. And if they listen to you, you have gained a brother or a sister. But if they do not listen to you, take one or two more along with you that every charge may be established. If the church of Jesus Christ just did this, we would be so much more healthier. Some people get tattoos of scriptures on their body. I have a suggestion for you. Matthew 18, 15 through 16. If we just, if we just covenants, amen. If I got an issue with you, I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to talk about you. And then when I walk in, we act like we were talking about something else. We change the conversation. You, you walk in, people start talking about LeBron James. You're like, wait a minute, LeBron, dude, you weren't talking about LeBron earlier. If we just dealt honestly with one another, we'll be so much more healthier. Um, so church hurt is real. And when we see it, we need to address it one-on-one, not, not 25-on-one. Not, I'm a gossip about this person, and I'm going to address it up as a prayer request. And so now you've got 15 prayer requests to, to I just want you all to pray because so-and-so And now you start gossiping. That's not what this is. Matthew 18 is clear. Go to that person one on one. The injured soul. I love Marvel movies. I also love, um, I guess they're Disney movies. What are the Incredibles? Is that Disney? Is that, what is that? Pixar, Pixar. right. Thank you. Um, I love the movies Incredible. And my favorite person is the little girl who can like put the little shield up and, and, and once you're in her shield, no matter what's going on, you can't get to the person because the shield is up. I, if I was a superhero, that's what I would want, particularly in pastoral ministry. I would love to have this little shield that I could put up. And no matter what happens or what people say or what people do, I go unaffected. And I think a lot of times you look at pastors, pastors are my hero, particularly church planters. Church planters are my heroes. I love them. They are the most amazing people on the planet. That someone would say, hey, guys, I'm going to start a church from nothing until it becomes something, and Jesus is going to do it, and I'm betting my life on it. I want to rock with that dude because that dude loves Jesus. What I'll say here is is I wish I can put up this invisible bubble that shields me from being hurt but the truth is not only do parishioners experience church hurt but ministry leaders experience church hurt too pastors experience church hurt too and they're not excluded because they're called their calling does not exclude them from suffering i was in atlanta with some pastors and we were it was 10 of us and then there was a facilitator and it was right in the middle of the pandemic um, and he asked a simple question. He said, hey guys, I wanna start here. How are y'all doing? Uh, and just one pastor went after another pastor went after another pastor, and you would have thought by the end of it that we all had a huddle and got together and said, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to say this, and then you say that, and then you say, because that's how much the, re- the, the response had concert to it. But one guy was like, man, I'm just tired. If, can, can I be honest for, for a second? I'm tired of showing up. Um, I'm, I'm tired of the lack of finances. I just had to fire my best friend because half our church left during the pandemic, and I'm mad about it. Another guy said he lost a friend who he started a church with some 15 years ago, and the guy just got up during the pandemic and moved halfway across the country. He had been with him for 15 years, every Sunday for 15 years, and then all of a sudden, he ups and goes across the country to start a new life on some venture he was doing, and the pastor got up and said, man, he got to leave. Can I leave too? This stuff that we engage with in in ministry is hard, and here in our text, Paul is going to take us behind the scenes to see a beastly theologian, an apostle, and church planter bear his soul about some of the stuff he's gone through over the course of his ministry, and this stuff draws me. It always has, and it's drawn me because I want to finish well. And if Paul can be honest and tell me about his suffering, then I need to perk up and listen because I want to finish well in ministry. And I pray you want to finish well in your Christian faith. I pray you want to finish well as a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you plan to, you have to include how am I going to deal with church hurt? How am I going to deal with suffering? How am I going to deal, as Paul says about Demas, who deserted him? because he was in love with the present world, how am I going to deal when people walk away? It is the most painful thing ever. And leaders experience this too. Over the past two years, just experienced COVID and schools shutting down and people not knowing where to go. For us, we were in a school and, and then one week happened and now we have no place to meet for 18 months. And how do you lead through that? And, and all this is happening and elders hurt too and deacons hurt too and life group leaders hurt too and ministry leaders hurt too. And who will help the leader when he is discouraged? There's a quote that I love. It says this, it is this loneliness that deepens our suffering. Our isolation tells us we are somehow damaged, and this is why we have been abandoned. This only increases our sense of guilt and hardship, and we have brought ourselves and others. That's by Stephen Mansell. Listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying Timothy, come in, I need you. Come on, son, bring my stuff. Demons just left. Um, Bring my parchments because I need to write. I'm locked up in prison, uh, but I need to still be doing what God's called me to do. Because one of the things that you see in faithful leaders is even when their heart is broken, there's still a yes that comes out of their will that is sometimes unexplainable. And you see here by the Apostle Paul, he has been deserted, he has been beaten, he has been shipwrecked, and he has experienced his own kind of church hurt, but he still continues to do ministry. He says, bring Mark, bring my coat, bring my books. When I was defending the gospel, no one was there with me. But verse 17 ministers to my heart. Because here's what I know as a pastor and a planter and a husband and a father and someone who's seeking to be sought in light with the people that I engage, even when everyone else walks away. Verse 17 tells me the Lord will stand with me oh, that's shouting stuff, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, that's really good news. As you seek to be a faithful wife and a faithful husband and a faithful mother and a faithful father, that the Lord is standing with you and he promises to stand with you in the greatest of hurt. The Bible says, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. Notice in both cases, it's the person, Jesus, and the church. And the good news, even as ministry leaders suffer, church hurt too, Jesus stands with them. Finally, built-in comfort. Built-in comfort. This is out of 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, and I'll just read this, and I'm hurrying to a close here, and I want to pray for you. But it says, Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction." with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we may share abundantly in comfort too. Rodney, what does this text mean? Paul is helping us know that as the church of Jesus Christ, we may be the problem, but God wants to use us to have the antidote to church hurt. God wants to use us. He has built in comfort to redemption. That when someone in redemption hurts, the answer is not outside of redemption. The answer, and I love Christian counseling and praise God for Christian counseling. I have counselors in our church, but the answer is not in obeying whatever your counselor tells you to do. The answer for hurting in the church is the comfort that God provides to the church to heal those that are hurting in the church. Rodney, what do you say? Our heart has to be enlarged towards those that are hurting and suffering. And God needs to equip us by his spirit to be long-suffering with people. It's not always that they just have an attitude. It's not always their theology ain't right. It's not always, well, they they always late or this, that, and the third. People have long stories of all kind of trauma and tragedy and issues that's bringing their present self to the table every single day. And God needs to enlarge us with patience to sit down and walk patiently with somebody through where they need to grow next in their next spiritual step and journey with Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, That God has equipped the church at Corinth to walk with the weak, to walk with those that are suffering, to walk with those that are discouraged, to walk with those that are suffering persecution, so that these people will grow in Christian maturity. Here's my question on the table. You say, Rodney, this church hurt thing, I don't get it. That ain't me. I don't have any church hurt. I've never had one bad experience with the church. Praise God, because you're an anomaly. But I also want to say this. I also want to say this. Maybe God's giving you so much grace with the church and your perspective on the church that he's calling you to be a comforter to the church. This is so big, as I said earlier, as you... And I know the evangelistic fervor of this church. As you are engaging with people outside of this church and their response to Jesus and what they think about organized religion, understand and don't take offense when they say derogatory things about the church. They have a story too. How has God called you? Not just to give the message, but to have enough patience to walk with people as they journey through the process from spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity. Last point. There are no perfect churches. I was talking to a young guy. He's want to pursue ministry, and he says, Rodney, I just don't want to be hurt again. Had a bad experience. And he said, Rodney, I just, I just don't want to be hurt again. And I said to this brother, I said, I cannot guarantee that you won't be hurt again. But I can guarantee that if you're hurt, you have a risen savior that has not changed his mind about this gathering of believers, people all over the world celebrating and worshiping Jesus together. And although this may be a place where you've experienced pain, this is the safest place for you to be amongst the people of God worshiping Jesus. Let me just say this as an addendum. If there is some abuse going on, if there is some healthy abuse or unhealthy abuse going on, um, as I tell women who may find themselves in troubling situations in their marriage where they're being abused, I say, you can, you can work on reconciliation from Chicago and leave that joker down here in South Florida. There is, this is not a call for you to tolerate abuse. Just for clarity's sake. With that being said, there is no perfect church. I think when we look for a perfect church, here's what we're longing for. We want to go to a church... I have family members that don't attend church. So I say, man, what are you looking for in the church? Man, I just want a church that's real. You know? I want a church where everybody, you know, you know they, just, they just really want to be there. Sometimes when I go places, I can tell they don't really want to be there. Or they say, you know, I just want a place where I come and I can just hear, hear the message without interrupting. And we have all these ideals of what the church is and what they want to experience. The reason we have that. Because the way God made us, He made us with an appetite for heaven. What we are longing for in this perfect uh, utopia. Is really the idea of being with him forever where he is the senior pastor and he don't have no assistance. When the choir is always on point and never off key where the greeters really love you when they walk in, not just act like, like we long for that perfect place. There is no perfect church. When people come to our church and they, they act like they found something, I almost want to say it's probably not going to be too long before we don't meet up with your crazy expectations. There's no perfect church. What you have is a bunch of needy people who gather together for support to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord. And when you find yourself longing for something else, be reminded what you really are longing for is eternity. And one day he will call us from this earth to where he is, and we will spend forever and ever and ever and ever with the Lord. My prayer for your redemption is that you never lose focus of where we ultimately are going to be in the perfect church with Jesus. Um, Amen. Everyone standing just for a moment. I just want to offer prayer to you. I um, just want to offer prayer. Um, if you feel like there's something that you would desire prayer for, we want to ask that you come forth. We want to pray for you. If that's you, come. We want to pray. Some hurt is so, some, some pain is so complicated that you could not unpack it in a single session, but God knows Some pain happened 10, 15 years ago, and you're wondering right now as the Holy Spirit has brought that to your mind, are you asking me to deal with that pain that happened so long ago? And he didn't bring it to your mind for no reason. And I know we think we're okay, but maybe we're not. Maybe there's still stuff that we need to process and ask God to breathe on and speak to. If that's you, we want to pray for you. Give you a few more moments, if not, I'll close us out in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, tonight we we thank you that you are the advocate of all church hurt. Thank you that you are here to minister to your people, to show your love and affection to to help them process forgiveness where forgiveness needs to happen, not the cheap forgiveness where we just say it's okay, but the real forgiveness, God, where you lift the burden off of our hearts. We're able to love people the way that you're calling us to love people. Lord, I pray for those who are even outside the walls of this church and you're sending redemption to engage with people. I pray for patience and wisdom and strength and clarity of thought and mind as we engage people, respecting and acknowledging the fact that the church church hurt does happen, but you are the God that heals all church hurt. So, Lord, we honor you tonight and we bless you tonight. Do what you want to do in this place in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to RedemptionDB.com. God bless you.